Thank you so much for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast, sponsored by our friends at Speaker Match. And today we're talking wrestling and uh, author Diana Hart, part of the most legendary wrestling family of all time, the Hearts of Calgary. Now, if you're not super into wrestling, this is going to be a great interview for you because we're not going to get too deep into the weeds on wrestling. I want to talk to Diana about her books, the Cauliflower Heart series. But to set all this up, if you can imagine, um, Diana's dad was was a very legendary, successful promoter up in Calgary. It's a huge family. Her parents had uh, about a gazillion kids. They were all connected, I think, to the wrestling business in some way. So we're going to talk a little bit about growing up in that world. So say hi to Diana Hart joining us from the Great White North. Hello there. Hi. Thanks for having me, Burke. I'm looking forward to this. Well, I figure if I didn't interview you, that you actually have the physical ability to snap my neck like a chicken bone. So I, I thought it's best to go ahead and just talk with you and play nice. Yeah, probably best. I've got that Greek temper, Greek-Irish temper. Could get out of I've, I've heard stories and I've seen videos, so I know this is all true. <laughs> hey, so I, I want to rewind back to when you were a little kid, and I wonder if if there was a time or an instance, a certain instance that you remember where you, it first dawned on you, my family is not like anybody else's family in this neighborhood. My dad does not grab a briefcase and go to work, or he's not a truck driver, a blue collar guy. We're different. Is there something that you remember from your childhood that, that where that light bulb went off? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> well, the first time I saw my dad really uh, wrestling uh, was on TV. He was wrestling so that they film it Friday night and they show it Saturday. Right. The next day. And uh, my dad was sitting in the kitchen and he had uh, bandages and a white uh, bandage, like a tourniquet around his head. And then he had band-aids um, on the skin. And then I looked on the TV and he was getting uh, his, he was bleeding. He was wrestling this, Felt this guy named Abdullah the Butcher. And uh, I was, <laughs> I kind of realized there was something um, very uh, different about that. Then I, <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when, when this happened? Uh, probably six. And uh, I, I really, I, I, I was very uh, concerned to say the least. And then when I go to school, uh, people would watch it on TV, but they would, have these annoying, uh, insensitive remarks about you, your dad's, uh, my dad could beat your dad up. And my, my dad was, they'd say that my dad was, was a phony. And it's like you, I, I was so upset because I'd seen, I had seen my dad, that image of my dad sitting in the kitchen, um, with these band, like, uh, band-aids and then the bandage around his head. Sure. I, it, it's, it burned in my, in my mind. And, um, I always had, it uh, was defensive about it. Uh, and then over the years, things like a wrestling bear named Ted lived in the basement for a little while. Uh, that, well, that happens to everyone. That's just, you know, that's just another yeah, Thursday. He was Teddy to his close friends, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, the wrestler, um, uh, his name was uh, Dubois. He couldn't, uh, he was a legitimate mountain man and he had taken the bear in as an orphan. And um, the, 
when he came to work for my dad, of course, there were no hotels that would let him keep the bear. So he left the bear at the house. And um, that just seemed normal. I mean, wow. honestly, it did work. I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, that, that's just your normal. life. It's just your life. We had giants, Andre the Giant, and then um, who was a, a few times a year up at the house. And then there were the Billy and Benny McGuire. They were the heaviest twins in the world, um, identical twins. And uh, they were, you know, they were a handful. <laughs> when you say the heaviest, how heavy were the twins? They each were close to 600 pounds. And they would ride to the ring on these little Honda motorcycles, the small ones. And so they had a deal with the Honda motorcycle company to show how, you know, sturdy and, and uh, capable and powerful these little uh, scooters were that they could hold the twins. So each twin, uh, Billy would ride down and Benny, uh, depending on how wide the uh, ring entrance was, either tandem or side by side. And then, they do a tag team with usually a handicap match where it was those two against like 10 wrestlers or something. And, and, uh, they were nice, nice guys. Um, Unbelievable. The, there were the, the midget wrestlers. Uh, I, we always called the midget. I don't know that that's evidently, uh, little pro, people. You know, they're little, but people. little yes. people. Uh, there was a uh, little beaver, uh, Sky Low Low, Fuzzy Cupid. Um, those were the, the oh, uh, Coconut Willie, uh, Wolfgang, Kevin. So the dinner table <laughs> at the Hart household must have been really interesting. It was. It, it oh, Burke. It was. It it was like um, we had. They would come to the house and uh, feel. Uh, they and a lot of them would come by with for the summer or for a period of time where, you know, they needed bookings for four months or something or, or longer, like the Samoans stayed for a long time and had their, their kids in school. Um, but they, they became part of the family and, you know, you get to meet, you know, their kids and sometimes the, their, the wrestler's wife would, uh, take you out to the park or something because my mom never drove and um like the, to get to the park from where we lived would require driving but to the river or something it was it was neat i think that my dad's promotion with it being in this big house and having the 12 kids a part of it um it was unique and truly wholesome like if it was an unsavory thing i don't think my dad would have wanted his kids around it but um Can I stop you right there for just a second and by the way you're you're uh, Diana Hart is our guest today and it's a special simulcast on the headline uh books zoom into books program as well as our podcast but if you're you're watching the video we're going to show some photos of the kids but did, did I hear you correctly did you say 12 kids <laughs> yeah there were 12 uh are you kidding me and when my mom and dad got married, uh, my dad had had mumps at a vulnerable age, and my mom was born quite prematurely. So they grew up believing that neither one could have kids. And then when they met and married, they thought, we can't have kids. But if we could, how many? And they 
had this figure in their head of 16 kids for some reason. And anyway, uh, shortly, well, about nine and a half months after they were married, my brother Smith was born. And uh, then, you know, 11 kids later, Owen was the last. I was the baby girl at number 11. Owen was number 12. Yeah. Eight was there any food girls. left for you as number 11 by the time the <laughs> meal happens? I mean, my God, you'd starve to death. 12 kids. <laughs> well, I mean, what yeah, does the grocery store even look like for your mother with 12 kids and a whole bunch of straggling wrestlers that come in? <laughs> uh, my dad was pretty innovative. He made some, uh, uh, he, he actually learned how to cook really well. He learned from a lot from my mom's mom, who was Greek. And, uh, but he, he had everything industrial size because there were 12 yeah. Well, more than 12 kids. There was always the extended family. So uh, it was so neat, though, Burke, because like the, everything in our house was in the kitchen was industrial. Like our pots for spaghetti were what you'd see in a restaurant. And when you're little, you know, you don't you don't realize that, you know, you're trying to help your older brothers or sisters carry something. But it's it was. I imagine my dad thought it was, and my mom thought it was kind of cute watching the little ones trying to help with these gigantic pots and pans and big spoons um, because it was all like, you know, cafeteria style, but uh, uh, it was really neat. And now when I'm cooking, I've got some of my dad's old pots and pans and uh, someone said, my God, that's a big pot. Can you lift it? I was like, yeah, I was full of water and spaghetti, but I just, like Paul Bunyan and the Bull, you just get used to carrying these things as you grow up. And boy, well, I made a good impression that night with the big spaghetti pot. It's what weighed about fifteen pounds. Anyway, that, that's Andre the Giant, and that picture was me out at my dad's, out at Clearwater Beach. He looks and like I he was, put you in his in the palm of his hand at that age. What you were probably what nine, ten, somewhere in there. Yeah, I, I was so scared of him, but. When I then after I you know he he must have been used to that with little kids and stuff being kind of uh, terrified of him. But he was really nice. He was really nice, Owen and and me. And uh, I remember he let us try his ring on. No, well, he let me try his ring on, and it just fit right over my hands. You know, my uh, I was a little bit younger than that, but there's a photo there of your mom too, and your your mother. I have to tell you, is just beautiful. I mean, could be oh. a movie star. Oh, thank you. She she was uh, half Greek, half Italian, and a, a scholar. Uh, she was the very the first woman or first girl to be accelerated in the New York uh, City high uh, school system, and then she, they put her ahead uh, another grade. Uh, she was just, it's funny because she was premature. They didn't have great expectations for her. And she turned into this little uh, prodigy. And um, they they were positive she was going to, you know, marry a president's son or something. And she married my dad. But, well, hey, look, anyway, he was like that, the president of the wrestling world. Um, and, and there's a picture with you with all these brothers. So as a girl growing up around, you know, and, and also being the daughter of, of Stu Hart, you know, you grew up around a lot of tough guys. 
Um, yeah. What, what, what was it like as a, a girl, a sister, a daughter, growing up around tough guys? Um, it was uh, – my brothers were really uh, – uh, you know, they're sweethearts. But uh, we, we did – especially me, Owen, and Ross, we had some good scraps under the dining room table. And I, I do feel I, I got a lot of self-defense technique from uh, <laughs> just, you know, silly things that you fight over, like who was going to have to hold the cat during the uh, Flintstones that night. There's, you know, it's – but you could get into a real um, – uh, Honestly, it was uh, submission-style wrestling, but you'd end up rolling around under the <laughs> the dining room table, which was a huge table, and the, the cat was wondering where this was all going to end. But, uh, yeah, we, my brothers and sisters were always really protective of, especially Owen and me, because we were the the babies, and my mom and dad were pretty sad, as even though they had had 12 kids, they were we were the last ones so it's like these two are we've got to look after these two so uh we were i six i think i have a little bit of a feeling of entitlement sometimes when i'm uh uh around my but that that's the way they my brothers and sisters want it to be um they just don't really let me do a lot they they've dote over me still you're still the little one. You're still the number yeah. 11 out of 12. Did yeah, that, that's right. I, I'm so, not really. Diana, I grew up in a, a, a town, a, a blue-collar town in the mountains of West Virginia. It was a coal mining town. And, and it was almost predestined for the young men of that town in that era that you're going to go into the mining industry. You're going to be a coal miner like your dad was, like his dad was before him, like his dad was before him. And I wonder, growing up in this wrestling business the 11th out of 12 kids did you think you know this is my lot in life this is what i'm going to do or were you one of those kids that sort of rebelled against it and said i want no part of this oh that's a, a great question burke because that's uh it was both except i it's like the opposite i wanted to be in the wrestling so much and uh, uh my mom and dad had uh I mean, at that time, it wasn't really the thing for girls. Uh, it's not like how it's become now. Where the girls are are brands, and uh, they're like the the successful divas now are as successful as uh, you know some of this high most uh, uh, I don't I guess most successful Hollywood like the Kardashians. I I'm thinking you know the Bella twins look at how far they've they've come because they were uh, successful um, and attractive uh, what they call divas now um, they're hardly divas but you know they're really good down-to-earth people but my well, niece Natty one of those stars though I mean in the 1990s you were on screen for the WWF and, <laughs> and you know you transitioned to that on-screen role and and you did it at a, a pretty prominent level for people again that, that are watching or listening that may not be into the minutia of wrestling, you were a big doggone deal. And um, I know that you were actually ringside at, at what is sort of, if you follow wrestling at all, considered one of the greatest matches of all time. You were at this uh, 
this wrestling match uh, with, with your husband, the British Bulldog and, and Bret Hart, uh, for the uh, SummerSlam 92. And there were like, I don't know, 80,000, 90,000 people at Wembley Stadium in London. You're right there. And, of course, we see, if you happen to be watching, we see your, your picture on a big screen at, at a match. Um, take me back to that time in your life in the 90s, can, and specifically that SummerSlam in 1992. Can you describe what that night was like for you? Oh, it was terrifying. Honestly, it was, uh, I was so worried about what was going to happen between Brett and Davey. I, I had seen them wrestle for my dad. And um, when Davey and Brett went to WWF, I wasn't really ringside that often up till that SummerSlam match in 92. But uh, one match they had in, um, in Calgary, I remember uh, Davey walloped Brett in the ear and uh, cracked Brett's eardrum, and uh, Davey got a cracked rib wrestling Brett. And I mean, they just tried so hard, and their their goal wasn't to knock each other's teeth out. But when they wrestled, it was um, of the utmost importance to them to a priority to make the fans know that they were wrestling for real because we I saying earlier it was a we took great offense in our family to be called fakes so right. when Davey and Brett were wrestling in Wembley uh, Davey also had been suffering from a really bad staph infection and uh, uh, you know that when it happened they we didn't know what it was and they caught it in time. It was about the fourth day that this infection was spreading. It's like the flesh eating disease. Yeah. And they, you know, he might lose his leg. Um, but it was under control at this point, but they said, you know, if we hadn't caught it in the next day, you know, he could have, could have gotten that serious that he might've lost his leg. So he couldn't do anything. They said, you can't stimulate your leg. You can't exercise or because uh, that's going to feed the infection. So uh, getting over to uh, Wembley like a month later, you know, he was like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do. And he was on these really strong um, antibiotics and, you know, and I kept thinking when he'd fall on his knee or bang his leg or his thigh, I thought in my wild imagination, his leg's going to burst open like, uh, like fat on a beef stew when it's starting to freeze, you know, that, that was <laughs> I, I was, and you know, the leg never was that, wasn't, it was from the inside. It wasn't a, a seeping wound, but in my imagination, I was so, I, I honest, honest to God, um, I, Burke, I was so uh, oh, overwhelmed and terrified. I did an interview for that and I was just, and ringside and there were, just to walk to the pitch, like to walk. Shane McMahon picked me up from the Royal Box where the uh, security for the Royal Box was quite offended that that we were in the, the Queen's Box. You know, this, this is for royalty, but- It's literally um, the Royal Box you were yeah, in. Yeah, and Vince McMahon and, and um, the WWF had arranged for Davies family and Harry and Georgia, Davies and my kids, and all of our extended family to be to be up there. Uh, and my son, Harry says now, he said it was like watching uh, 
like he could hardly see anything and he, he would have um he probably would have appreciated being at ringside even though he would, was only elementary school age but uh when the when you know like when somebody hit the mat the because it was such a massive uh arena there was like a delay in the sound so you see you hear them you see them hit the mat and then when you're out in the box and you then you hear the noise three seconds uh, later four seconds later sure. yeah so when shane picked me up on foot it could have been a plane though because it's such a big place he kept saying don't worry diana it's just um <laughs> it's live though <laughs> i was like oh okay no no pressure no pressure and it was such a long walk and i was getting uh pretty worked up by the time i got there and i thought i hope neither one of them gets hurt i hope davy's leg is all right i i hope and i didn't know who was gonna win i thought i just hope whoever wins like what if Brett wins? How, that's, How do you console that your husband? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, so um, when he won, when Davey did win, um, I was kind of stunned. And then uh, I, I went in the ring. I, I kind of waited and I went in the ring and um, he gave me a big hug and he, he said, I hope that was okay. And um, I, I know I was, it was really emotional. I, everything at that, um, and I gave Brad a hug and, uh, one of the most, um, incredible moments in my, or e events in my lifetime, you know, and, and, and it's hard to, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, I, like, well, I, I'm not stuck on it, but, um, well, look, that's it, a, that's a seminal moment in your life. And, and yeah. for most people, um, who are watching or listening, you know, you have one, maybe two of those kind of moments in your life, but your life has been filled with those. By the way, we're talking with Diana Hart, if you're just joining us on the Zoom into Books program and our special uh, simulcast with the Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network from the first family of wrestling, the legendary hearts. And she's also the author of the Cauliflower Heart uh, fictional book series. And I want to talk to her about that. We're talking a little bit about uh, wrestling here. Um, but, you know, you've gone on to, to write these award-winning uh, books, so I want to make sure we, we spend some time on those. Um, I, I did have a couple of wrestling fans who sent me a couple of notes to ask you about, and, and one of them they asked me about uh, is when you were a kid, you were growing up, and there was a training area that your dad trained in and trained you and your brothers called the Dungeon. And I, I wonder That's if you right. can tell me, is that... Is that was that a real place, and were all these stories about the dungeon true, or is it all been sort of embellished, and or does it lie somewhere in the middle? Tell me about the dungeon. Oh gosh, the dungeon was uh, it was uh, like Narnia and eerie. <laughs> uh, the, the so my dad's house was this 1905, which for Calgary is an old home. It was. Uh, I get a mansion, but a sort of farmhouse style. My dad really did uh, beautify it. He made it very opulent uh, with these chandeliers that had names and uh, oriental rugs that he'd get from hotels that didn't need them anymore. But where can you put a 20 foot long 
15 foot wide oriental rug. Oh, well, Stu Hart might have a place for it. So <laughs> in one breath, we've got, uh, or one, one side of it, a three story house and then the basement. Uh, you've got Chippendale chairs and oriental rugs and chandeliers and this commercial kitchen and all <laughs> kinds of animals running around. And then you go down the dungeon. So the dungeon had a cast iron grate stairs, like this kind of the kind of grate that's on a sidewalk over, like right. Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe was standing on when her skirt flew up. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what the stairs were made of, and they were really steep. And uh, it was just a completely different feeling. As soon as you opened the kitchen door to go down to the dungeon, it was uh, cement. Uh, and brick, old brick walls that uh, had the stuck oak and the wood. It was really rustic. There was an incinerator down there because it was 1905. And we used to say that's where we buried the, uh, we burned the bodies. <laughs> a, real, a real incinerator, like, like you could climb in it. it. And it was this big brick incinerator. And then there was all the mechanics of this big house. And... Um, uh, big iron doors that scraped the floors, this, the cement floor when you opened it. So every, even to open the door, it was like, really, um, very um, tactile. And um, uh, then you get, so you get into the, the dungeon part. My dad had all these weights and handmade, like he, my dad was really uh, creative and uh, he knew he had to, and he had his own welder because he was building rings and stuff. So he had the welder, he designed weight equipment and he had all this really hardcore weight equipment. And then this wrestling mat, which, uh, no, nothing. It was like, uh, really stiff, uh, wool underneath it. Like, uh, not, no, no given. It wasn't like there were springs and it was only about, uh, uh, see, I don't know, six inches deep. Right. And the, uh, oh, there, sorry, I had a, I thought I had my phone shut off, but somehow, anyway, okay, Burke, so the, um, the walls had the, this knotty pine um, uh, wrestling mat to ceiling, uh, and that's what the wrestlers would get thrown into because there were no ropes. And uh, these old windows that had like, uh, uh, they're just heavy duty uh, windows with like a cage put in between the, the glass back from when the house was built in 1905. It was just, uh, and, oh, and then the ceiling had the, there were all these uh, holes in the ceilings from where, you know, guys would either put their feet through and cause it wasn't a high ceiling, but uh, either their heads through the ceiling or their feet and, and the hot water pipes was, it was fascinating though. And then uh, the dogs and cats used liked sleeping down there because, um, well, they were all over the house. But, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, if you had allergies or anything, that was just like, well, that's too bad. You're going to have to <laughs> train. I remember some of the guys were uh, getting a little red. Um, he had a terrible allergy and he used to, like, and nobody had any patience for him. It's like you're letting your allergies get uh, take the get the better of you when uh, you know you're getting stretched. <laughs> but 
This, yeah, is, uh, this occurs to me that that your childhood may be the most unique one I have ever heard in my life. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm trying to put myself oh. in, in, in that era, and I see a beautiful, young, blonde Diana Hart. And maybe Diana and I go to high school together, and I want to ask Diana Hart out on a date. I want to ask her to go to the movies or ask her to go out for ice cream. And I'm trying to imagine <laughs> coming to a house with Stu Hart and a bunch of wrestling brothers and a dungeon in the basement. Uh, I'm wondering if you ever got asked out for a date as a high school kid. No. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then on top of that, you go on and you marry Davy Boy Smith, uh, who sadly has passed away. And, and I'm wondering what your dad's reaction was to you marrying somebody else in the wrestling business. Was that a, a good thing or a bad thing? Or what was that? Well, what was your dad's take on all that? Uh, I think my dad was, uh, as he got to know Davey, um, pretty impressed with him. I mean, he was right from the start. Davey and his older cousin, the Dynamite Kid, were two, um, I mean, I guess I could be by. I'm biased here, but I equate them to uh, the Beatles and what, and kind of with Brett and Jim and Owen and uh, Brian Pillman, it was kind of like the Beatles, although Davey and Dynamite were from England. They just were so uh, revolutionary. And um, when I met Davey, I was, uh, from the minute I met him, I was smitten. I would, I, I loved his accent, and um, so my my dad was uh, kind of concerned about this because I was only seventeen and that you know never had any uh, boyfriends. But I never, nobody would go out with me because I was. Like, they the crap out of them. There's no yeah. way I would get within a hundred feet of you. Yeah, no your dad was your brothers were, and you're a lovely lady, but it would have scared the crap out of me. So, yeah. how old was uh, how old was Davy Boy Smith when when you guys met? You were 17, and he, and he was 18. And uh, my my dad and my mom were like, "Well, you haven't given anyone a try." It's like, "Well, no one will, go, no one wants to go out with me." Like they, and I did connect with with Davy, and um, you know he. He certainly uh, worked hard and was, you know, a phenomenal athlete. He, and over, like, from 81, we met in the spring, late spring of 81, and then 84, well, 83, we got engaged, and 84, we were married. But 83, it was at my sister Allison's wedding at the house, and uh, I didn't know Davey was going to ask me to marry him. Actually, we were... <laughs> fighting at the time we were in having like this two week long argument but uh when he told me on the porch when he asked me to marry him and I you know threw my arms around me at the engagement ring uh I said what did my mom and dad say because I you know thought I can't say yes if they don't say yes sure. he said well your dad was okay with it but I think your mom almost fainted <laughs> so, <laughs> So, yeah, my mom was uh, still thinking I was going to meet somebody like what her mother wanted for her, you know, meet this, I, I don't know, I, I still don't know who could have been better for me than, than Davey or better for, uh, Davey was, he was, uh, 
pretty extraordinary. And then, you know, we went on to have uh, our kids, Harry and Georgia, and my mom was, uh, uh, I named Harry after my mom's father, who was Harry Smith, an Olympic marathon runner from New York, and uh, a real kind of like a Stu Hart in uh, his field of running. You know, he, everyone loved him and he knew that he would never do he was just one of the nicest, most honest, sweetest guys from what my, my mom and dad, particularly my dad, he just had a real uh, kinship to him or with him. He just like, like he was Harry Smith's son. Almost. My, my grandfather had five daughters and no boys and uh, no athletes in his family. His daughters didn't want any part of uh, running. And they met my dad and uh, was uh, just loved him like a son. So uh, that kind of worked. That was kind of how it went with my dad and Davey. And my, my mom was always fond of Davey, but uh, after Harry was born, it was, uh, and then she got, my mom saw what a devoted father Davey was. She, and she was just like in love with Harry. My mom was, uh, she just melt when she'd see Harry, almost like crying, you know, she, Oh, Harry. And, you know, they, they were really close, uh, my mom and Harry. So anyway, uh, it was, you know, maybe if we, I, I, I know my mom would have uh, adored Davey. At, just when we had kids, though, it seemed to change. She, that's she the really slam dunk. Grandkids are yeah. the slam dunk. That, that's what yeah. brings it all together. Uh, Diana Hart is our guest today on Zoom Into Books and the Big Time Talker podcast. And uh, not only from the first family of wrestling, but she's an award-winning author now. She's uh, won uh, Indie Book Award finalist for a romance novel. She got a silver in the Reader's Favorite International Book Awards for Best Sports Fiction, uh, Hollywood Book Festival. Uh, I could just go on and on. The London Book Festival, uh, runner-up for Best Romance, Southern California Book Festival. So these books, this, this book series is called Cauliflower Heart. Um, what does that mean? Cauliflower. Um, well, uh, my mom had always, had, she was a uh, very good, very creative and a truly gifted writer. And she had always talked about writing a book and she was going to call it hearts and cauliflowers. And it was H, uh, H A R T. Um, right. like our last name. Um, and, uh, I had uh, written a, an autobiography in my a long time ago that just really went sour. Just didn't. It was just, uh, and un unfortunately, it just didn't. Uh, it kind of ostracized me. It came out sounding very cruel, and um, so when I wrote the started writing again, it's like I I want to write fiction, but I I do feel like I've got a lot of. Uh, uh, credibility and you know write write what about what you know and you maybe can uh, do well with that instead of me trying right. to and I should say that Diana your your novels if folks aren't familiar with them they take place in and around the professional wrestling industry but they're yeah yeah I I um just like in wrestling there's um and boxing I'd be a lot of these um combative sports if you notice some some of the uh, athletes have these uh, hardened ears. They almost, well, they look like cauliflowers. 
And um, so the term cauliflower heart or cauliflower ear, it's like a badge of courage, which I have in the beginning of the book is just to, so if you do get a cauliflower ear, it means like you, you had the heart to get, to get one. Like um, it takes, you know, it's really painful too. When you, when you do get, they start to harden. And um, so it's a bit of a play on words. It's like the, to get a cauliflower ear, you've got to have the heart to, um, and, you know, take the beatings to get it. But I, instead of making it H-A-R-T, because I didn't want people to think the story was, the stories are uh, specifically about me, I made it H-E-A-R-T and uh, brought into it, like, the heart you have to have to get the ear. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do write from experience, and it, it's fiction, but a lot of things are, are uh, things I, I know well about or heard about, and I've, I've really tried to fictionalize it because I don't want to um, have anybody, uh, I really don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but I you know at the same time when you're writing, you know, if someone wants to think that that was them, I, I hope, you know, so, well, I, it's funny, um, Burke, somebody asked me, they said a character in this story, his name's Toasty. Right. Um, he's one of the main male characters. Um, they asked, uh, you know, they, they said that was a specific person. And I said, no, actually, I hadn't even thought of that person. I said, no, that Toasty's a culmination of about uh, ten characters, all all in one, and you know. But they they every, they saw me at one of these uh, book festivals, and every time they go by me, they would say, "No, that's uh, that's so and so," and I'd say, "Well, if you want to think that, you go right ahead." But it, actually, he's Toasty's. Some points he's uh, my brother Owen, and some points he's the Dynamite Kid, and Sometimes he's uh, my brother Ross. Uh, a real, you, you blended a bunch of people together there. Yeah, and I'm sure in other places you change the names to to protect the innocent and guilty. You know. Yes, right. Very, very true. I I did that because I I, and I, it's, well, it's it's really um, so therapeutic um, to write about my life. It's or what I, maybe I didn't see it in my, with my own two eyes, but I realized that it could have happened somewhere else or I heard about it. And I'm not trying to steal from anybody's experiences, but I, I'm just trying to bring it to life. And when you see a movie on TV, um, like I saw Ron Howard's movie, Rush, a little while ago about the race car drivers, right. uh, Mickey right. Lotta, and, and uh, there were things in that and I thought, how much I could relate to it, even even though I I never drove to, drove race cars or was a part of that world. But I when so when somebody can relate to um, my my stories uh, fiction, albeit the fiction, I I feel um, like I've accomplished something. Um, well, you bring people into that world a little bit, and folks that maybe are not you know, super wrestling fans, you, you bring them in and, and you sort of pull the curtain back and, and show them uh, some stuff. And 
I did know that, that in just checking you out online, because, you know, that's what we do these days, Diana, we Google people. And yeah. I saw that, that you've been very outspoken in your criticism of, of the WWE and, and Vince McMahon and, and sort of the role he played in, in your brother Owen's passing. And I wonder what your current relationship is like with, with wrestling today and the WWE and, and Vince McMahon. Um, well, um, it's, it's great. And when Owen died and, uh, I was 99, um, there was a definite, uh, uh, break in the family. Um, I happened to be, oh, it's just, it, you know, Burke, it was so like the timing of everything. Davey had had a, a broken back and that was, it got infected. And, uh, I think he always had this, uh, staff and, uh, virus, uh, sort of active in him. He used to get infections and anyway, uh, he was uh, let go from WCW and, uh, because he had the broken back and he was in the hospital for a couple of months and Owen would come by and visit him. And Owen at that was with WWF at that time. And Owen got a phone in Davey's room and set up the, he said, uh, you know, I talked to Vince and, you know, we'd like you to come back and you talk to him though. And uh, so, you know, it's like three weeks before Owen died and these talks were going on and Vince was great. Um, he said, we'd love to have you back. We don't know what you can do, but um, maybe manage Owen at first. If, But uh, it's like, and when Davey heard that, it was like a shot of adrenaline. He was just like started to sit up better. And, uh, you know, he really it was uh, a second chance for him. And um, he was in really bad shape, though. And then, then Owen died. And then I remember Vince coming and Stephanie and Shane and Linda. And uh, that's Linda Vince's uh wife right. they were so they were as heartbroken as as we were my mom and dad were i mean it, it the owen's death finished my mom off she was just and then this lawsuit got started where they wanted uh, everyone to you know join on martha owen's widow who was suing wwf and i said well davy I, I, it was an accident and I, I was following my dad's guidance and I think my dad was, you know, as qualified as anybody to uh, lead in how we were going to go. Um, my dad didn't want a lawsuit with WWE and uh, he lost his son. Uh, he was not trying to get anything out of Owen's death. Um, not that Martha wasn't entitled to it, but he just said this can be settled without going to court. And we, and I took my dad's, and Davey was working for, for Vince now. Um, well, that, that kind of followed in the months to, to come, but um, I never had a, 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 an issue with Vince over uh, Owen's death. And I think he did, uh, I mean, there was a lot of criticism about the show should have been canceled at this at that as soon as Owen. Uh, but Owen wasn't pronounced dead until he got to the hospital, and um, uh, I don't know what 
so I remember my dad saying it, you know, I wouldn't want to be in Vince's shoes at this time. And right. he said, I don't know what I would have done if I was doing the show, but like, it's not like there was a rule book on what, what you do. Um, and we should probably tell our viewers and our listeners that your brother, Owen Hart, you know, was killed tragically. It was a big pay-per-view TV event. Yeah. And, you know, it all happened and everybody who was watching, you know, saw this fall. Um, do you, are you still in touch with, uh, with his, uh, his widow, Martha? And I know that she was on a Vice TV thing. Uh, there's a, a show called uh, Dark Side of the Ring that she was on. Yeah. And are you in touch with her? And what is that relationship like at all? It's, it's, I mean, I actually haven't spoken to her since Owen's funeral. And um, I have tried many times and then after a point, it just was no point because sure. just like uh, she didn't want anything to do with us and she didn't let her kids see my mom and dad, which which was unfortunate because they missed out on a lot and my mom and dad missed out on a lot. But um, the Vice TV show, uh, I'm not sure what the, why they did it uh, because everything was... I mean, I'm still talking about it now, so I'm kind of a hypocrite in saying, why are they talking about it <laughs> 21 years later? But um, right. I'm not sure, Martha, what the what Martha was, uh, because she did kind of uh, pick the scab open or pick the scar open to make it a scab again. Um, I, I don't know. I thought that Vice should have interviewed at least some of the Hart family members um, it seemed one-sided, and at the end of it, it was uh, certain family members were, I think how she put it, uh, um, well, I, I can't remember the word now, because then we were, there were a couple of family members, she said, were, were getting in the way of, uh, and I, I suspect that was me and my sister Ellie, who she was talking about, um, but that when when that happened with your brother, it was at a time that that this whole notion of professional wrestling being, as you said earlier in the conversation, fake. It, you know, it it finally opened it up that there are real things that can happen to the men and women in that profession, and and I imagine that you know as as you went back and wrote these books, these cauliflower heart books, although they're romance books. You know, you're in that wrestling industry. There have to be misconceptions that people have about that whole business. And the fact that people can get hurt, as you talked about with your dad as a little kid, that's your first memory is your beaten up and bloody dad at the kitchen table. Would you say that's the biggest misconception people have about wrestling is that there's no athleticism, that nobody really gets hurt? Yeah. Yeah. And and to this day, to this minute, you know, when it, it, it's a sore spot for me and, and my brothers and sisters. And I think that's, that's why they were as good. At, I mean, that's why Brett, uh, my brother Brett was so, um, you know, he, he had made such an impact in his interviews and stuff. It, it was really coming from his heart. And I, I've heard other wrestlers say, well, Brett took his, his role too seriously and he couldn't separate the hitman from, you know, the character from the person outside of the ring but that's how uh, much it meant to Brett and uh, all, all of us uh, 
I, you know, I, like I hear somebody, I hear it all the time, Burke, and I try not to, uh, you know, to just depends on, I guess the, the weather or something, you know, it could affect me more. Uh, but someone will say, uh, oh, uh, your son, uh, say my son is, uh, you know, he does grappling and he's a fantastic um, wrestler. And, oh, does he do the uh, MMA stuff or does he do that fake stuff? And it's like, he doesn't do, the, he does he does wrestling and he does MMA. He's done, he, no, but does he do the fake stuff? Well, that well, that's all, it, it bothers me so much because, uh, you know, Harry, his dad, my brothers, you know, I, I know Owen didn't die from a, uh, you know, a drop kick that, you know, broke his neck and killed him in the ring. He died from a fall, but, um, my people uh, really get hurt, and they can be hobbled up for the rest of their lives, or worse. And yeah. I, I know that these books, by the way, and I see them uh, behind you on the screen there. And congratulations! I should say congratulations on all those awards. That's fantastic and quite an achievement. You released that first book um, at WrestleCon in London, and right. and so some people who are are big fans when they come up to meet you. What do they want to know about your, your life? Because there's so many fascinating aspects. Is there like one or two things you get asked an awful lot? Uh, a funny one, which I don't mind. It's just, uh, is, uh, can I put them in a headlock? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> afraid to you know, ask that. that because, you know, you might just choke me off and then I'm done. And that's the end of my career. <laughs> that's funny. I, I've, I, I get that a lot. It's, it's so funny. You're connected to a sharpshooter, and it's like, well, I'm in a dress, so it's just it's not going to be very, not going to be very sexy. So I can't I can't do that one. I get but asked a lot. Your, your, your bodybuilding uh, uh, photos earlier, and I'm sure you still look like that. And you could still, you know, do some serious damage if called upon. Uh, I've got a, the, uh, that Irish Greek temper, you know. Start to. Uh, uh, swinging and stuff, but, I, but actually, I, I'm. Uh, if I had wrestled professionally, I, I would like to think I would have been like Brett and Owen put together because I, I loved the Owen and I used to do a lot of gymnastics and stuff. But um, I tried to get into wrestling again, you know, too much, too little, too late. Uh, around in the 2000s, early 2000s, and I remember hitting my head repeatedly so hard my brother smith was trying to teach me and i i thought i would be the worst wrestler i like <laughs> i i just i did not have that confidence that i had when i was uh you know 15 to 25 when i when you're bulletproof I, advantage, you just think that everything's going to be fine and what can happen yeah uh, when when i was doing stuff with uh with the heart foundation they looked after me so well, you know, Davey's like, don't worry. I, I got you covered, but, uh, you know, so I, I actually could be kind of a, uh, well, I was supposed to be kind of a, a little tattletale, uh, pest in the ring, you know, getting, getting in the way and throwing coffee in Shawn Michaels face and tripping someone. But, uh, I mean, if, if I didn't have their, uh, uh Honestly, you know, they, their timing and everything was so good. I wouldn't do a thing without their uh, look from Davey or the nod from Owen, like, now. And then 
but I, I, they made me look like I was half tough, but I, I, I think if I had to, uh, you know, get, you know, roll around with somebody, I just out of sheer stubbornness, I, I might uh, be all right, but I know, I know some submissions. <laughs> well, I might give you a mean um, pointy elbow to the eye. That might uh, hurt worse than anything by accident. Just like, hey, who's but, that guy on the uh, on the cover of your latest book? That guy looks familiar. That's Harry. That's my son Harry. Um, he was. Uh, oh yeah, he's and he's wearing his dad's uh, vest, uh, leather vest, but. He, Harry Russell's now is Davey Boy Smith Jr. And um, I hope he's WWE bound again soon. Um, his father, well, Davey was recently inducted into the 2020 uh, Hall of Fame. But it's like graduating and we haven't had the ceremony. You've graduated. And, but with the coronavirus, they weren't able to have the uh, WrestleMania or Hall of Fame back in early April in Tampa. So that aspect of it has been, like the awards has been postponed, but Batista, the Bella Twins, uh, Tatanka, Davey, um, oh, there's there's a lot. Those are the ones I, I know of. Oh, sheesh. I feel bad for the ones that I'm not mentioning because they're all so um, distinguished and... A lot of icons in that business. Um, yeah. and, you, know, you mentioned coronavirus, and I wonder if you are privy to how much that would, you know, this pandemic affects sports entertainment. I know that I work with lots of, you know, musical entertainers, and all those tours are canceled. And yeah. It affects thousands of people, not just the entertainers, but all the behind-the-scenes people, the sound people, the lighting people, the venues, the ticket takers. So I would imagine this is very tough for the wrestling industry as a whole. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's been a, a, a challenge, to say the least, for everyone. Like Harry was supposed to do it the day after the Hall of Fame. He was going to fly out to do a big tournament in, in uh, for All Japan uh, for this big cup, which Davey had won back in the 90s. And uh, so it was quite meaningful to Harry to compete in this and it got canceled. Uh, they're not allowing any wrestlers from anywhere outside of Japan to, and that that's Japan. Then there's uh, Canada up here, all this, the local, they weren't allowing any, anything bigger than a, at first, but in March, nothing bigger than a crowd of 20. And I mean, you, that now you, you know, you couldn't even get away with a crowd of 20. That's just not happening. But, um, I know WWE is take they've they've taken um, big steps to uh, they've got Corona they're testing them when they before they go in to the and they're doing all of their when they do filming or taping it's at the NXT the Performance Center in Orlando but uh, yeah there would be no way to socially distance a couple of wrestlers I would think I think that'd be difficult. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. You know, they they were. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, you know, Burke. It was. I I think when I was watching some of the wrestling 
you know, I hope I don't sound like uh, I'm like, who is she to be saying? But when I saw some of the wrestling, like with my dad's wrestling and the stuff that I saw Davy and Dynamite do on tape from Japan, and I just grew up with the, the main thing was to wrestle. You're, you're focusing on your opponent. You're not, whatever you're doing in the ring, if it's good, then the crowd will appreciate it. The crowd will react on its own. My goodness, what an incredible life and incredible career that, that she and, and her entire family have had, the Hart family, the most legendary wrestling family of all time. Diana Hart, our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast powered by Speaker Match. And if you'd like to pick up the Cauliflower Heart series, they're available at headlinebooks.com, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, and wherever books are sold. You're great, Burke. Just made me feel right at home. <laughs>